It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Today we'll continue our study of chapter 4. And um, let's just begin by considering a few more truths about the verses that we had last time, about verses 7 through 16. We need to look at verses 12 through 13. In verse 12, John says, If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Perfected means it's been matured in us. When we love others continually, it'll be our heart, in other words. It it proves that his love has been matured in us. And what we need to see here is this doesn't happen immediately. It is a process in the life of a believer. This mature love that we have inside of us. Then in verse 13, it speaks of knowing experientially. So when we know in our hearts experientially, um, we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have here the importance, again, of the third person of the Trinity and how he, through him being in us, we know that we know. Um, With God's Spirit living in us, we abide in this love and we experience the abiding of God in us. John 14, 23, Jesus said this, If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. So here's what we know. God's love is proclaimed in the word. And what do we learn about it? Well, actually that God even is love. And it's proved at the cross where we saw the sacrificial love. But here in chapter 4, we have something deeper. God's love is perfected in the believer. Now, Think with me for a minute. God's love is not made perfect in angels, but in sinners saved by his grace. We Christians are now the tabernacles and the temples in which God dwells. He reveals his love through us to others. And if we continue on, verses 17 and 18, John says this, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Love has been perfected, John says. Word here is not just mature or complete now. This is in this is interesting. In the Greek there's an extra emphasis in it and it's speaking of love that is perfectly perfect or completely complete. This this is when the completeness of love's work in us will be demonstrated. As much as we can know the completeness of God's love now, We will know it all the more then, John is making a point, in the day of judgment. So here's what we're saying. You may know you're a sinner now, but you'll 
really know it in the day of judgment. You'll know you we know now that you know in and of myself I'm not better than some than a natural man, someone who doesn't know the Lord. But then uh, in the judgment day, of course, we're going to really know it and really understand it. You may know the reality of hell now, but you'll really know it in the day of judgment. You may know the greatness of Jesus' salvation now, but you'll really know it in the day of judgment. The only way to have boldness in the day of judgment is to receive and walk in the transforming love of God today. There's no fear in love. The completeness of love means that we do not cower in fear before God. That's the kind of fear being talked about here, not a reverential fear. Um, We don't dread his judgment, either now or in the day of judgment. We know all judgment we ever deserved, past, present, and future, was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. When he says, he who fears has not been made perfect in love, Here's the reality. If our relationship with God is marked by this tormenting fear, it shows that we have not been made perfect. That is, we don't have in us that complete and mature love of his. Now, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. This is such a great statement. John begins by declaring the heart of every true believer of Jesus Christ. Simply and boldly put, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Now there's much in that phrase. This verse confirms he loved us and when he loved us. Some people imagine that Jesus loved us because he knew we would love him and come to faith in him. But he loved us before that even. And even before the worlds were created, when our only existence was in the mind and heart of God, Jesus loved us then. This verse tells us why we love Jesus. We love him because he first loved us. And this reality makes us want to love him more. He loved us when we were still his enemy, when we were sinners, and even before that. In this verse, it's understood and true that he loves us now. This verse should stir our hearts to want to love him more. Spurgeon says this about this verse. If you want to love Christ more, think more of him. Think more of what you have received from him. This chapter ends with the commandment to love. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. These verses are pretty clear. If we love God, we must love our brother. Now, in light of this clear teaching on love, may I ask an important question? Are you having trouble loving a brother or sister in Christ right now? You you say, yeah, well, they really hurt me. Or a loved one. They may have really hurt a loved one. And you can't love them because you can't forgive them. Because you can't let go of bitterness or resentment. True forgiveness of another will bring love for that person. 
I'm not speaking of sentiment. I'm speaking of an action. As you see when you, you, when you read through the Bible, love, God's love, is an action verb. Therefore, if you say you've forgiven the person, yet you don't want to have anything to do with her, you need to go back to God and ask him, what's keeping you from loving the person that you're having trouble loving? Now, verse 20 and verse 21, again, when it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. These are important words to us. Forgiveness and love cannot be separated. Stop and think of love's associations in the Bible. Love is part of the ninefold uh, fruit of the Spirit. You know, the love, joy, peace, etc. As imitators of God, Paul tells us, you are to walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. You may have a difficult time loving someone you have forgiven, but true forgiveness will make the sacrifice. Jesus didn't forgive you and then refuse to love you. He forgives and treats you as if you've never sinned against him. And I want to just say right now, this is a word for me as well, precious sisters, that that's God's forgiveness for us all. And your forgiveness is to be like God's. Will you make the sacrifice of genuine forgiveness today? Go to God in prayer. Perhaps even now, pray with me. Father, out of sheer obedience, I want to forgive. Help me. Show me how to let go of my bitterness and resentment and allow your love and grace to fill the space in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, stay close to Jesus and keep looking up.